uh, Faisal Saswala, who is a real estate broker with Remax, as well as Ryan Carr, who is a real estate investor with RW Carr Investments. So at this time, I'd like to hand over the floor to Rachel. Rachel, over to you. Hi, everyone. I am delighted to be moderating the opening panel for the 2020 Investor Forum. Um, so many people out there believe that there's a lot of uncertainty looming at the, in the Canadian economy as we recover from COVID-19. And some predictions are doom and gloom, as you guys know, and uh, some are optimistic. And some people are using this opportunity to go big, while others seem to think uh, that it's better to sit on the sidelines. You guys are all super seasoned investors and professionals at what you do. So I'd love to hear from each of you where you are at so how have you been using the opportunities in the last few months and um tell us a little bit about uh what you're doing what is your uh, area of expertise so sarah let's start with you awesome hi everybody i'm super excited to be here um so actually you know what ironically for me covid um and everything that happened around it was probably and i and i hate to say this but one of the best things that happened to me um, because I got a chance to relax and actually look at my portfolio and analyze um, and decided that I replaced my income. So I'm actually going to be retiring as of October 1st from my corporate job. So I'm Yay. super excited about that. Um, my strategy is essentially long term. It's the Burr strategy. So buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat. And I do a mix of long term as well as short term rentals, um, cottage rentals. Obviously, this year are doing awesome. Um, but you know, I started in 2013 and I've always looked for cash flowing properties. So what's going to happen in the market? I mean, who knows, right? I, I predict that there, there might be a little bit more uh, supply at some point, because right now it's super, super sparse, um, you know, and maybe more, more motivated people down the road, but I'm not necessarily doing anything different because I'm going to look at this as a 10 year, 20 year time frame. And what happens in the short term, if I do a really good job um, and, you know, knock on wood so far, it's, it's gone well, um, finding and screening tenants to ensure that they're going to be able to um, work with me throughout the turmoil that, um, that we've been having. Then ultimately, if you have good tenants in a cash flowing property, you know, this is not time to panic. This is time to look at your portfolio and say, hey, that's great. Um, if there is a downturn, however, you want to be ready a for the opportunity so i'm getting you know i've, I've refinanced a few properties um, my mortgage broker dahlia barsoom she's speaking later she's been awesome um and i've i've i have cash ready right for potential downturns but i also have you know i'm still looking for opportunities next week i'm going to go look at a, a 21 units uh, off-market deal so i'm still looking and just you know maybe um you know just analyzing and uh and being more picky but I'll tell you, there's there's no reason to stay on the sidelines if you've got a good long-term property that's going to cash flow for you. Perfect. Thank you, Sarah. So Faisal, let's uh, let's hear from you. How have you been using uh, this downturn? Have you been doing big things or sitting on the sidelines? So a bit? I'm just 45 minutes uh, west of Toronto. So our market is booming right now. Uh, we took our you know six to eight weeks break and just sort of regenerated and and started introducing all kinds of investment properties to our. Um, 
homeowners that would have lots of equity. And it's interesting, not only are we getting bidding wars right now on purchasing properties, we're getting bidding wars on leasing properties. So as a landlord, it's just an incredible time. Our rents have gone up 35% in the last three years. So we're just waiting for people to say, okay, I want to I want to leave your rental property because we know we're going to get a, a huge jump in what we're going to get in revenue from those properties right now. And um your expertise is in in, in what aspect residential of real, estate? real estate so i've been in the mar uh, in the business for 32 years i have a fairly large investment portfolio of myself over 32 properties that i own that are single family and then i have a couple of plazas that i also own and some land development so we're just continuing to expand and you know my outlook is very positive i've never looked back uh five years into my career and said uh oh, i'm glad i didn't buy back then so you know from 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 that approach as long as you're in the market and as long as you're not cashing out i think that the long-term uh outlook is very very positive with low interest rates uh and all kinds of immigration and uh, what's happening in our market i can only see a continuous lift in the market Perfect, thank you. So Mandy, over to you. Um, how are you feeling, optimistic or a little bit tentative? And uh, what is your area of expertise? Thanks, Rachel. So I'm Mandy, known as the joint venture queen, and uh, I specialize in partner partnering with people to do real estate transactions. I have not been sitting on the sidelines, but I'm not a, I'm not a go stop kind of girl. I'm a steady paced, if a market is working, it's going to be working. I don't make it work. I don't try and fit a round box into a, or a square box into a round hole. So if the numbers don't work, I just, I stop looking at that market. I'm looking at other ones. So I'm definitely still going, but I didn't really stop. So I, you know, that's kind of the share as COVID came. I usually look to a lot of experts in the field to be like, hey, Rach, what are you doing? I know I've chatted with Sarah and Ryan probably during all of this time and just kind of getting a feel for what other people are doing. I do not enter into bidding wars. It's not a place for me to be able to be an investor to say it's such a good time in the market. So I'm going to be one of the 14 people that are in on an offer that's $100,000, not going to be my space. And I really don't recommend that to investors. So really kind of make sure that you're sticking to your to your basic fundamentals. That's me. I'm, I'm boring. I'm so boring that that's why people are turning to me right now, because they're so unsure. There's a lot of people who are very unsure of the market. And so they're turning to confidence. They're turning to, you know, Mandy's been doing it, continues to be doing it. And the the investors that are are going to be the ones that that are people are saying, hold my hand. I'm ready to be able to do this to do this with you. So um, that's kind of me during COVID slow and steady, pretty boring, but consistent. So we've transacted on 10 properties this year. Um, I actually don't have any deals right now ready to close. So that doesn't mean that there's not them. Uh, they're not out there, but you know, they're, they just haven't been something that I've connected to. So yeah, so that's me so far. Okay, so are you feeling optimistic about where we're headed or a little bit reluctant? You know what, I create a product that people will want to live in. I don't create HGTV, um, um, you know, video ready uh, units. I create durable, um, you know, easy for changeovers, let tenants come and live in them. So I'm gonna continue to create a product 
at a price point that I know people are going to want to live in, I'm going to have a lineup of renters. So I'm, I'm not optimistic. I'm just, again, sticking to my true fundamentals of, of making sure that what I'm offering to the market is what people want to live in. Pragmatic is a good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. All right, Ryan, let's hear from you. What is your area of expertise and how are you feeling about things? Yeah, so uh, all throughout COVID, I think we've been generally um, optimistic with the way that things have been going. Uh, I take a, a fairly conservative approach to investment. I always have, and I, I feel like I always will. It's just kind of my kind of my foothold in the market. I generally invest along the 401 corridor and uh, that goes all the way from Durham out to the Belleville market as well. So I'm kind of in that stretch. And um, I, I find that that because of these markets that I'm investing in, we're sort of the bread and butter where people can still afford the price points. We don't have the high flying dollars like Toronto, but uh, we can still also find yield in the market. So things have been pretty good on my end. Uh, I'm predominantly focusing in a couple of areas, short term and long term. So uh, on the short term side, it's flipping and wholesaling with the odd basement apartment. And now in the long term buckets, uh, I've also started to focus. <laughs> I've also started to focus on um, uh, infill development and building uh, multifamily apartment buildings. Perfect. So um, you guys will notice uh, our wonderful audience, you'll notice that there is a chat on the right side. Um, we encourage you to uh, enter your questions and your comments, and we will try to answer some of your questions as we go through through this panel discussion. And if we don't get to them all, we'll be able to answer them in the people section after this panel discussion. Okay, so now I'd like to kind of uh, turn um, the conversation towards challenges and, and maybe a few lessons learned. Um, maybe we can do a, a, a quick circuit and just uh, tell me just in a few words, what keeps you up at night in the current real estate market? Um, so Faisal, let's start with you. So um, lending keeps me up, you know, trying to get financing. Uh, lenders have pulled back. Uh, CMHC regulations continuously change and we have to adapt. So, you know, those are the things that when when we're seeing these multiple offers coming in and people buying these homes or rental properties or whatever it is, the, the second part of it is they've triggered, but now can they get the funding? And, and when they're getting those roadblocks, you know, the alternative financing models have seemed to be save, saving us for now. But I know CMHC is encouraging banks to like, you know, rein it in and stop, uh, you know, lending uh, to the maximum level. So those are the things that I, I'm worried about. Okay. And uh, Sarah, what keeps you up at night? I don't think it's necessarily anything that keeps me up at night, but it is pretty crazy how many multiple offers there are for everything. I mean, you know, looking for, for deals that make sense for an investor. I mean, some properties, they, they have eight, 10 deals or 10 different offers on them. At some point, this is going to stop, right? And, and hopefully whoever is buying right now is not at the very, very top of that, you know, those eight offers. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I will say, you know, cause I, I've got students as an example, like they've, they've made offers on two already and both got bid out both times. Um, and it will keep happening and keep happening, but something will come up and at some point things will shift. Right. And it's just a supply and demand thing. So just, just keep going, keep making offers. Um, you know, for every 10 offers, you might get one and it might take, and it might take more, but it's just important that we always look at the, or that I always look in my students and whoever else it is at, at the financials and not get too emotional about it. So, um, but there's not a whole lot of stuff. I was looking at some cottage properties that everything has multiple offers on it. Um, there was one already, you know, before I could even do anything with it, it was already, um, you know, conditionally sold. So, you know, hang in there. 
don't get don't give up things will change it'll be interesting when when serb does finish and mortgage deferrals resume depending on what happens to the unemployment this will all be interesting we don't know nobody knows nobody for sure can predict what's going to happen but um you know if if something does happen and the jobs the, the unemployment is still very high and serb is done and people have no income coming in and no job you might find some uh, some more options out there so just hang in there cool thank you um mandy i'm gonna ask you um is there a specific lesson that the COVID crisis might have taught you in your real estate investing yeah. business uh so two major things that it taught me in my business i have i create reserve funds for all of my properties and i didn't really think anything of it i always say five thousand is my new zero we never go underneath five thousand that's fine some properties can't be higher than that and we were like should we pay cash flow we're not oh my gosh uh having these reserve funds just made us go oh, we've got some space to breathe do we need to you know um and so then and so reserve funds and communication so my partners and i have been communicating through all of this i've been on the phone myself even though i have a management team for my property management i myself personally called every single tenant either left them a message or called them and spoke to them myself so communication was huge right now and these reserve funds because we just said do we need to defer mortgage payments let's wait and see are the tenants going to pay us are they going to be on a rent strike are they going to be able to afford it. And you know what? We all just talked our way through it. We were very open and, and able to say, you know what? We're not going to be paying cash flow right now. And nobody was upset. Nobody's life was dependent on this on this cash flow and the ease that it felt just to know that we had that that cash reserve, possibly a little bit more than we needed to, was amazing. Communication and transparency uh, goes a long way. I heard that from a lot of investors in the net, in our network. Ryan, what about you? Have there been any specific lessons uh, that you learned through this entire experience? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was actually very fortunate that I was able to learn from COVID by taking a step back and really evaluating from a high level what's working in the business and what's not working in the business. Um, I think you know, probably all of us in this room as investors, we just keep chugging along, we keep buying deals, we keep doing more things, we keep hiring more staff, we keep doing more construction and like, it just keeps going and going and going. Um, but it's really nice to take a step back and say, hey, you know, what is really important here? So I, I know for me, I did a couple lists of like, what are the top 10 whys in, in my business and what are the top 10 whys in my personal life that I'm doing all of this for? Like, why are, we, why are we doing this? You know, one of my big things and my big tickets for 2020 was to write a book. Right, and I'm I'm writing a book now, and it's it's just been such a fantastic experience to be able to put all of my thoughts and past deals and you know all the stuff into into paper and uh, and actually produce a product. So I'm 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 really I'm really grateful for uh, for all of that. Awesome! It's a great time to reconnect with your why. Absolutely. All right, so um, I, I see some questions are coming in, and we're we're gonna get back to your questions. Um, I just want to uh, kind of talk a little bit about some. Um, thoughts about um, multiple offers. Now, we're all experiencing this. Um, you know, Faisal mentioned it, Sarah mentioned it, Mandy, I'm sure you're experiencing it, and Ryan, um, myself, I'm experiencing it as well. Do you, okay, can you guys kind of do a quick round robin? I don't want to get too caught up um, on this, but come up with kind of one one tip, just just in a couple of words, so we can keep, keep the conversation going. So in a couple of words, um, you know, Faisal, uh, do you have a tip for how to compete in a multiple bid situation? Show up with a bank draft, 
no conditions, and don't upset the listing agent. To get on their good side, absolutely. It's about relationships and communication. And what about you, Sarah? Do you have a tip here? I mean, like, here's the thing. At the end of the day, you know, Faisal is right. The cleaner the offer, the better. However, I can't sit here and recommend that you guys do this because as a, a first-time investor, it could be really scary. Have I bought things sight unseen? Absolutely. Cash, you know, sight unseen? Absolutely. But it's, it is risky, right? So, so just ensure that if you can't close and you can't get financing, that you've got your backup and you've got private funds or you've got cash available or you've got, you've got an exit plan. Um, cause it can be scary. And, you know, the other thing too is, is to, to make it a little bit more, um, you know, unconditional. If you can bring a contractor through beforehand, um, if you can bring your inspector beforehand, so at least that part is done and then you're gambling maybe on the financing piece. Okay, great. Hopefully you have a backup, but you know, get that stuff out of the way, um, ahead of time so you can really crunch your numbers and, and give an accurate um, offer. And you know, if you don't get it, hey, on to the next, something else will come up, trust me. Absolutely, if it's meant to be, it'll be. Ryan, what about you? Do you have a quick tip? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. If you win a multiple offer, you probably didn't actually win that multiple offer. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hard no on that one. Um, I, I prefer to operate in spaces where you're not necessarily competing or, or you're the only bid. Um, so off-market deals typically are a better play for me. Um, if you have to compete in the open market, I think these guys have offered some great tips, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm a no on that one. <laughs> I, I would agree with you. It's it's a contextual. You yep. know, what kind of market are you competing in? Are you dealing with off-market properties? You're going to have a completely different experience. I found the same thing. Mandy, any tips? To yeah, add? work with an expert. So making sure that you're not just with some Joe Blow realtor that's never done this before. Um, but... I know that I'm already into properties potentially before they've gone on the market, um, depending on if they're holding offers, not holding offers. You just need to know who you're working with. And this is not the kind of market that I think people should be going in with conditionless off. I, I like Sarah, I can't sit here and give you that advice because somebody will take that advice and I've seen it turn bad. So um, be boring, wait. Ways this too shall pass. Find a new market where there are no multiple offers. Um, stop letting your emotions get a hold of you. We're real estate awesome. investors, Great right? We're not we're not first time home buyers. We're not moving into these properties. So that's my big distinction here. If you're buying a property for your personal, then I'm I'm probably not talking to you. I'm talking to people who are looking to do this as an investment, who have their investor hat on right now, analyzing deals. Yeah, and I think it also boils down to what type of investing strategy you're pursuing. If it's a burr, is it a student rental? Is it a, a a development project? You know, I do rent to own, so I'm dealing with your first time home buyer mentality. So every strategy um, is a little bit different. So the timing will lend itself differently in every situation. So you got to know what you're what you're trying to accomplish. So trends and predictions, guys. This is you know the the million dollar question. What do you see as the latest real estate investment trend um, in Ontario? And maybe uh, if you have any insights on um, other provinces, um, you know, Ryan, why don't we start with you? What do you think? Yeah. So because we have such a positive net migration historically into Ontario and in particular Toronto, I mean, if you got a, I think I think the numbers like 100 to 150,000 people getting dropped in in the city center core as a general rule, and then trickling its way out to the subsidiary feeder cities. I mean, like net migration, which is supply and demand, is the economic driver behind 
everything that we're seeing here, right? We've got historically low interest rates. We've got a lack of supply. And we've got a ton of people soaking all this stuff up. So, I mean, in terms of the supply and demand issue, I think, yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely something to be said. Now, on the flip side, you get something like COVID where people are losing their jobs and the government has to offset that with lower interest rates and giving people money, like physically saying, here, here's some cash, go feed your family. I mean, that's a challenge. So I think there's a, there's a true balance. Um, I think Sarah hit it on the head earlier on by saying long-term, if people are bullish, you're probably gonna win. Short-term, you could see some cycles go up and down. If you know how to ride those cycles, right? And you understand the way that the real estate cycles go, you'll be okay. And you can still buy in uncertain economic times, um, which I think everybody in this room, including myself, continues to do, right? You gotta buy equity on the way in, or you gotta have a really good exit strategy on the way out to make your money. Um, but uh, in terms of right now, yeah, I, I'm still pushing forward. Uh, there's certain times that I'm sitting on my hands and there's certain times that I'm, I'm going all in and saying, hey, that's a great deal. Let's, let's snap this up right away. Economic fundamentals all the way. So Faisal, what, uh, what would you like to add to that perspective? What do you think is the latest real estate investing trend that we need to be mindful of? Uh, we're all in Ontario, so let's talk about Ontario. Sure, so I've, I've seen a real shift from uh, people getting out of multiplexes. In, in our area, we've got University of Waterloo and Laurier, and there's been so many uh, design build units now for students that the multiplexes and the student rentals and homes have just dissipated and it's gone to a different so single family townhomes condo units um detached even and our, again because our rental rates have increased so significantly it now makes sense from a uh, return on investment perspective, because not only have you got a decent tenant that's paying you a large sum of money per month, paying down your mortgage, the single family detached dwellings are increasing rapidly in the market. So you've got appreciation on one side and you've got debt uh, repayment on the other side. So it's a great formula right now for people. Um, so on this topic, um, there's a question for uh, Sarah, Mandy, Ryan. Um, have you guys jumped to any industrial investing? Uh, yes or no, guys? No, we're not touching industrial have, in investments yet. Okay, thank you, Bob, for that question. Awesome. Um, so, what do you? Um, I mean, I, I, I'd love to, I'd love to get Sarah's thoughts and Mandy's thoughts um, in terms of what you. So, Sarah, let's start with you. Um, you have some experience with short-term rentals as well, some cottage rentals. What is the future of uh, short-term rentals post-COVID? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, at some point, whether it's a year or two or three, things will hopefully be much more normal than they are right now, right, long-term. Um, but, but, you know, some interesting things, I think, I think, like anything with yard space that you don't have to take an elevator to get to, I think those will do even better when it comes to people wanting to rent them. And I think the rents on those will get higher faster than the rents of a condo, as an example. Um, more people wanna move out, they want more space. If this happens again, they don't wanna be dealing with paying potentially condo fees, or if they're even renting, you know, not being able to use um, the yard or the space or the common areas. Um, but, you know, I've always had this theory since, since this started that there may be something that's in the middle of long-term and short-term, maybe more of like a medium-term type of, you know, month or two or three rental. Look at all the people, unfortunately, that are going to have divorces, change in life, you know, situations, change in jobs, 
and they may not be able to find a rentals in the area potentially um, for what they want. Maybe it's going to take longer to for them to sell their house. They need something in between. So I think that there's going to be some more demand for that medium term um, rent. Now, you know, for, for some of my properties, I don't want to do long term. I mean, look at how everything is happening right now with the LTV being closed. You get a bad tenant that chooses not to pay. You're probably, you know, unfortunately, it looks like it's happening to many people, right? Luckily for me, knock on wood, I've been good so far. But if you don't have it in Ontario, and I can't speak for everybody else, but or other provinces in Ontario, if a tenant stops paying right now, you're not looking at four or five months or six months, like potentially prior before the whole backlog. You're looking at like minimum, My, I'm just going to guess right now because I, I was talking to my paralegal and she doesn't even know what the backlog looks like, but anywhere between nine to 10 plus months of carrying that person through. So there might be some more cash for keys or there might be some different things. Um, I, I worry about that. And I worry about some of the tenants that are out there that are going to take advantage of, unfortunately, those landlords. There's good and there's bad in, in both categories, I get. I get that. But so some properties, I'm, I'm not going to take that chance. I'm actually going, if, if they make sense, I'm furnishing them. I'm actually going to do them short to medium term. And because I will, I will say something, guys, if you it, plan for the, the downturn, but also plan for the opportunities, I've refinanced it as an example. And, and before I decided to quit, I've refinanced the property available. So if something happens in six months, nine months, I can carry everything and I'm not going to be stressed out and worried about it. Um, so guys, if you if you have a mortgage broker, work with them to refinance. It's always so much easier um, to have the, the money there available before you actually need it. And I'll tell you, I don't know if the lenders are going to tighten up their lending practices, possibly, right? If there's a lot of people that are going to be struggling in four, five, six months, our lending practice is going to change. And is it going to be harder at that point to refinance? So I'm not predicting anything because I don't have a crystal ball, but some something's food for thought, definitely. So, um, so short term, medium term. So can you just before I get uh, a few other opinions, when you say short term and medium term, can you uh, define that a little bit? Yeah. So short term is 28 days or less um, medium okay. term. I mean, I would say up to six months, you know, situations, living situations might differ. And I would prefer to get a higher rent for six months, you know, something furnished um with somebody knowing that they're either moving or they're like you know changing their their situations um i think that's where i'd like to go with my my airbnbs not the cottage the cottage cottage rentals guys by the way this year is insane <laughs> i i had everything booked up uh as of may or whenever ford removed his conditions everything was booked but if it wasn't i should have kept some because we like we could have gotten a lot more with everything that happened in the whole shutdown anyways different story for another time but those are my my predictions, if you if you will. Okay. Um, so, uh, Mandy, do you have any thoughts on short term rentals versus long term rentals? What would the future be? I think there's a place in the market for short term. Um, my share is that some people might uh, lean towards short term because they liked the cash flow. So, with that strategy, my share is to be able to have an A, B, and C strategy. If A is not working because there's no short term or they, they shut down Airbnb or whatever that looks like, you've got a condo in Toronto, that's okay. What's option B and what's option C? So, as long as you have um, some different exit strategies, some different rental strategies, uh, we, Sarah, we've got your, your medium rental uh, clients. We've got three properties that are furnished 
for six to eight months. One, one is a divorced lady. She needed to move in fast. Um, wonderful lady, but she's not going to be there long. We had another one in Kingston. We've got some, we've got actually some employers that are renting furnished rentals. And these are not, they're on one year lease agreements. So, um, but that's it. It's just a company. So I think they're out there. Please be creative, making sure that you're creating a unit that somebody midterm or short term or long term will want to buy. So don't make them, you know, so much as a hotel if that's really, really short term. If you're looking for, you know, that in between, just have some options, some backup options that doesn't put you in a corner and say, crap, I can't keep this property because it's not making me short term cash like I had anticipated. Be able to put larger vacancies, higher maintenance costs, um, potentially some some expenses that might not have been there before. Make sure that those are onto your numbers. Don't pretend that they're that they might not happen. Yeah, absolutely. You have to cover kind of all the all the opportunities that could exist. So, um, Faisal, from your point of view, were there any uh, opportunities that were born out of uh, the pandemic? Well, yes, there were. So de-urbanization happened, and that's an opportunity for us being outside of the GTA. So people, uh, as Sarah mentioned, they don't want common hallways and elevators and, and, and common elements to share. So they're moving out of the big cities. They're cashing out at fairly high prices. But again, the unintended consequences of that is that we've got 10 to 12 offers on every listing. I can't keep a listing active. In the month of June, I sold 44 homes, and every one of them sold in multiple offers so that's telling so we have an inventory problem and again from an investor perspective i should mention that from april to september is a blockout for me i don't want to be competing with mom and pa trying to buy a home before you know september school starts especially when they're coming from out of town so those are some of the things that i'm seeing so those are the opportunities we have right now is selling to people that are leaving the larger city centers yeah and ryan Oh, yes. Mandy, you want to add something? Yeah. So I'm in Midland outside of Barrie. I have seen like five out of town moving trucks, uh, Ottawa, Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. So, I mean, people are, they are migrating from the cities to come here. So create units that have that, you know, hey, if COVID happens again, if we have a second wave, do I have an outdoor living space? Do I have a place to put my barbecue and my kids to play outside? Because that 500 square foot condo with a balcony just isn't going to cut it anymore. Do I have a, a second place to have an office? So you're really just, you're kind of thinking forward as to what people might be looking for and the, they really are moving and they're moving and they're not necessarily buying a house because maybe they can't find a house, maybe that's not where they are. So create a rental unit where they want to live and even if COVID struck again, they're happy to be able to be in that space. Yeah, absolutely. Solve a problem. Mm -hmm. I think that that's always at the heart of what we do as investors. Um, Ryan, um, you know, there are probably people that are just starting out. And uh, I, I just want to get your thoughts. If they're sitting on the sidelines at this time, what advice do you have for them? Yeah. Uh, so for the people sitting on the sidelines right now, my advice to them is keep your job and do this on the side. Uh, I, I, like, I, I know of a, a quite a few people that have said, you know, I want to be an investor. Um, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do this full time. And I, th I think that's great. I just don't think it's the right approach. Um, for me, being the conservative approach, I tell people, keep your job, do it on the side until it's costing you money to no longer do it on the side, right? Like if you're working and you're saying, hey, I'm passing up one, two, three, four, five properties a year because I have to go to my nine to five, 
then it no longer makes sense. Then you can make that jump. But until then, keep your job. It's a tool. It's going to help you get more mortgages. It's no longer your focus for the day. It's only to get you from A to B. Keep your job, do this on the side, and then make the transition. So you're saying take action. And what about you, Faisal? Do you have any suggestions for someone who's sitting on the sidelines? Well, if you're not a realtor, get your license because then that'll help you get those deals. So that's one of them. And then, of course, you know, like like Ryan said, you know, if you're if you have the opportunity to buy uh, off market properties, then, of course, that's where as an investor, you're going to have a great advantage. And Sarah, any tips for the ones that are thinking whether they should dive in or sit back? Just keep a long term outlook and just buy and, and just know if things dip 10%, 20% that you've got your mortgage pay down and you've got your cash flow, appreciation will come and go. That should never be why you buy, right? And this is going to be unfortunately a time where we're going to see a lot of investors versus speculators. So you don't want to be in the speculator category. Hopefully you didn't buy a condo for seven or 800,000 and putting a tenant in there costing you five, 600. So if you buy on cash flow and it doesn't have to be a lot of cash flow, you're not going to really get the 1%. In most markets, in most strategies, you, you can, but it's harder, right? That's the that's a U.S. thing. Um, but if you buy on some cash flow, you can take the ups and downs, and you don't have to panic sell. You don't have to realize the loss. Everything will come back up in the next year or two. It might go down, but you know, hopefully, hopefully, it's not you know a make or break because you didn't just bank on on appreciation only. So Mandy, your final thoughts uh, to give some advice to someone starting out or someone who might uh, have started and decided to back off. You know what, Mandy here that talks about joint ventures all the time. I think it is, a, I look around this panel, I see some of the names on the side and I say, you know what, you could try and make 100% on your own or you could do, in my case, you could have you know 50% of something. So if you're waiting because you think there's no opportunities, there's a huge opportunity to be able to partner with people who have these proven systems. I mean, gosh, Ryan Carr, you say you got a deal, you're looking for a joint venture partner. I'm in, right, Sarah Larby, we got it. So if you find the right people to partner with, you're taking on, you're feeling their confidence in the market. And, and again, like we're not speculating we're boring investors who are looking at the fundamentals gosh you know so figure out a way to be able to say okay so maybe back in 2017 I could refinance a deal after six months and get all my money back but I can't speculate where values are going to be in six months where's the market things like that so without speculating just attach yourself on onto an expert and and you're still going to have some returns without uh, having to be by yourself you're not by yourself you're you're right there Perfect. Thank you. As uh, as we wrap up, I just want to say that I always say that there, when where there's a why, there's a way. And once you figure out your why and your goals with real estate investing, as as Mandy has said, you can create your own certainty by partnering with people who have those systems that have the experience, or simply just take on some educational opportunities to fill in the knowledge gaps. And whether you're an active investor or you're just starting out on your journey today, use this event to connect with amazing people who can support you on your journey. Welcome to the 2020 Investor Forum. And if you have additional questions, we'll see you over in the people section and continue the conversation. Thank you for joining us on the panel. Thanks Thank very you. Much, guys. Thanks very much for, to our keynote Thanks, for a very informative and great session. Uh, we're now going to take a short break so you can go network. Uh, this is what uh, the show is all about. So we'll be back in uh, seven minutes. Just so everyone knows, we'll be here in the sessions. Uh, we are going to be breaking into two streams, a Canadian stream and also a US stream. 
Uh, again, you can also reach out to investors via the people tab on your top right or the uh, tab which just says speed networking on the left. So see you guys all in five minutes. All right. So panelists, would you guys like to head over to the people section and we can tackle some of the questions that we were receiving? Sounds good. Sounds good. Good. Thank you.